Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Super duper. No. Super duper. I'm late because I I got got too headstrong. I thought I could run an errand. Oh. Yeah. Late 911, where's the late crown? Yeah, am I right? 911's a joke in your town. Uh, Yeah. Uh, What was your errand? Oh, it's not very interesting. (laughs) Did you go to the bread store for some bread? No, 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 no. no I went to the uh, the ATM. Oh. Got to go to the are ATM you, sometimes. You going to need some cash around the house today? I don't like not having cash. Yeah. These millenniums, they love everything on a card. I know they do. They and want think, it all on their thermostat. Uh, it needs to stop, John. It needs to stop. The card thing needs to, we just need, you know, pump the brakes. Mm. But anyway, mm. sorry, I, was, I don't usually talk about the show on the show, but mm. uh, I ran mm. a little late, and so now I need to walk over here mm-hmm. and get mm-hmm. myself a can of seltzer. Oh, shit. I gotta open oh, I got I got You there? Ah, I gotta yeah. open a new one. So okay. Go, you Duke boys. Go, God damn it. Oh, God. God damn it. Holy shit. Ah. <laughs> what I got the? A, I got a lot of fucking issues with the Canada <laughs> Dry Company. Oh, you're drinking a brand name seltzer. I is... have developed a taste for Canada Dry, and wow. it's become a monkey on my back. Yeah, because all those years ago, I get, get uh, like a soda stream, like, like one well, of those yeah, guys, right? Also, you would you got this just just the like the Kroger. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, so we should probably just do a whole episode about water at some point because it's been a journey for me. I have some issues. Yeah. Well, when I, okay, so when I first got into uh, sparkling water slash seltzer water slash soda water, it's a regional thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to get it in Crystal like water. Safeway 12 packs. And then at a, this is still a point when I would drive a car around like an animal. And then I I discovered that you could get Safeway in cases. Yep. Yep. I remember this. And then I discovered that the Safeway delivery people would theoretically deliver things to your house for a nominal fee. Say what now? Is this, a, it, is this like a back alley deal? Or is oh, this, this, is a, this is a seltzer hack for show. Uh, so I, God, I don't even, oh, got the wrong keyboard and all my document open. Holy shit. Uh, so what I did was I discovered. I'd like you to put a fork there in the wrong keyboard. Okay, I'd like I'll to revisit that. Put it in the document wrong keyboard. Yeah, the wrong keyboard. You know what? For old time's sake, I should use the old keyboard, my regular keyboard. Okay. No, no, I don't want to make noise. People will email us. Um, so what I discovered was a seltzer hack, which was you could contact uh, the Safeway Company of Pleasant, California, and you could say, "Hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. I could uh, could use a you know quart of milk and uh, uh-huh. uh, let me have some of that uh, icebox chocolate cake and uh, uh-huh. eighteen uh-huh. cases of seltzer." Do, do, do you have to talk to them like Randy Newman? <laughs> I'm like that Mitchell and Webb character, the guy who goes into the corner store and he's like, oh, I'm so thirsty today. Wonder what I should have this morning. Oh, <laughs> he just buys a malt liquor every morning. He wants to play it off like he's just, oh, so, so very thirsty. What could I have? And in my case, I'm like, yeah, you know, why don't you give me some of those, uh, give me some of those, uh, right, of French fries and, um, mm-hmm. oh, you know what's good is, yo, good, your flank steak is good. And I got 18 cases of seltzer. 
And they will deliver it to your oh, home. Oh, they hate it. They hate it. Because this is back in the day. So this is, you know, lots this lots happened in the years since, since uh, this, this uh, went down. But this right. is when Safeway was trying to do their own offering. They still do oh, this, but they're I getting their butt kicked by all the other companies. But a man, a man in a Safeway truck would come to your house, and man, he was fucking hating life. Cause I have like, no idea. Well, you know, normally you're like, oh, you know, could I get a loaf of bread and a stick of butter? And yeah. they come out and they give you a nice little bag, and they, carton they tip of milk, carton of milk, <laughs> stick of butter, stick of butter, tip, tip the cap. <laughs> Hello, governor. It is your staples then. What they were not expecting was the life hack guy asking right. for 18 cases of seltzer and then asking, please stack them up in this area of my garage, please and thank you. Is that a pallet? I mean, how many is 18 cases? I don't know if I've seen that in a long time. Um, <laughs> it's more than the guy with the little back brace really feels like bringing into your house. Yeah. And so then, now I still continue this to this day because... I fight this. I fight the system. The system does not want me to get heavy objects. No. They, they want me to get the dainty bag, sure. you know, and pay the fee. Sure. And they're like, happy to, to to home deliver toilet paper to you. Well, they'll bring you a few, but then, yeah. you know, let's not abuse the system, right? It's like, uh-huh. I'm like the guy with that the all-you-can-eat salad bar wearing waders and uh-huh. like just stuffing mashed potatoes into my pants. And uh, so, but since sometimes you've got to be strategic about it and you got you do an order <sighs> And you say, I want 18, 18 cases of seltzer. And, yeah. and they show up and they go, sorry, bra, uh, they didn't have any seltzer. And you're like, really? You didn't oh. have any seltzer? And oh. so I'd have to start doing competitive ordering where I might do two to three orders in a day, hitting the minimum until I got, you follow me here? So let's say, uh-huh. let's say the minimum is $30. You pay a $10 fee or whatever. I didn't have it the first time. I do it a second time. I keep scheduling. I keep scheduling. I still do that to this day. I am prepared at this point to uh, open a back channel with the Canada Dry Company to say, look, treat me like a restaurant. Uh Like, I am probably the single largest consumer of this. Let's bypass the middleman. I'll pay a little premium. But, like, you you, you know, cross your palm. But I want some fucking Canada Dry original sparkling seltzer water, 12 fluid ounces. I want that in large, large amounts at my house. There's got to be a distribution center somewhere in the Bay Area yeah. where the you know where the big truck pulls up and it's like when <laughs> Axel Foley is uh, is hijacking or intercepting the uh, hijacked truck full of cigarettes at the beginning of oh yes 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 of uh, a Die Hard or whatever yeah 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 the one it's him the other guy it's the one yeah. that the, he buys the carton of cigarettes yeah Axel Foley yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there's got to be some deal you can make some like you know, stack of money gets exchanged, and a guy opens up the back of a of a semi trailer, and it's right. just full of Canada Dry. Well, okay, so so this is an interesting twist on the uh, decongestant problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you think about the glory days, and you know about my glory days. Oh, you know, you know I, I got a spreadsheet about ephedrine. Oh, I still have. Oh, yeah, it. I rode that wave with you for a little oh, bit. Oh, brother! So you could go. Time was you could go get yourself a dollar nine malt liquor, and you could get yourself a bottle. I think it was a hundred twenty-five milligram ephedrine. The ephedrine was, I think, it was two ninety-nine for a hundred. Mm. Over time, that went up. Eventually, they made it illegal. And now, mm-hmm. today, if you want to be able to breathe, and I legit yeah. want to breathe, I want that Claritin D. I gotta you go. And me both. Right. So I have to go to the pharmacist window, where for some reason they're a little higher up than me. Not a fan. <laughs> they get, they're looking down on me when I see yeah. your driver's license for your thirty tablets of Claritin, and yeah. I ask them. I was like, "What's the jam up on this? Is this so people won't make you know Walter White meth?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah. yeah we can't. You can't buy if you buy this." More more than twice in a month, federal agents will come to your house, right? Wow. 
Now, now here's the thing. I, I, I kind of get that. It, it's sort of, I was telling my, we traveled recently and I was telling my daughter about TSA and, you know, one time somebody had a kind of like a bomb in their shoe. So now we take our shoes off. And one time somebody had some liquid and that's why we can't have liquids and, right. and all that you gotta jazz. You got to watch out for liquid. Yeah. 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 But I mean, like how much meth can you really make with 60 Claritin D's? Not very much right. uh, at all. I mean, it's so many of the decisions we make now as people are based on the the absolute worst okay. thing that a single the like lowest common thing. denominator person will the do. Common right? denominator can do. Okay, I'm writing de- this down. De- I'm putting de- it denom- in this denominator. Denominator. <laughs> um, but, but, but in that case, but, in that case, here's the thing. Now I'm inconvenienced. I'm not trying to make meth. Sure, I'd love to abuse stimulants. I'd be super into it, but I can't. So I made my piece. Now I get my Claritin once a month because I don't want federal agents at my house. I don't want to, you know, have a problem. But yeah. here's the thing. 99 point how many nines of people out there just want fucking Claritin so they can breathe. Yeah. In the same way, most people, you think about buying Canada Dry original sparkling seltzer water, you're buying that for a party. What yeah. are you going to buy? You're going to buy one two liter no. bottle of that. It's, it's like, it's like Werner's ginger ale. Or what, caffeine-free Diet Coke. It's something for the weirdos that want to mix a drink. Yeah, but you know what it is? I bet you it's some of these flat earthers Mm -hmm. are using bulk Canada Dry to power (laughs) their low-orbit spacecraft. Uh We laughed. We laughed at that guy, Uh but he got it off the ground. Sure he did. And do do you know, it was steam-powered, right? Yeah, I think so. I think he had a a a steampunk rocket. Yeah, so how far is it? Before we realize that, oh, no, it's just it's like fizzy water powered. That's the real way to get it. That's what Elon Musk has been working on this whole time. That's why they don't want to give you a pallet of of uh, flavorless pop. Oh, you think it's big space? I think it's big space. They're mm. trying to they're they're putting the kibosh on your on your garage building. It's a what's he building in there situation. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get what... to the fireworks factory. Yeah. I, and so now here's the situation now is I do have a, a gig economy service that I use to have these things delivered to my house. But here's the thing. Now Canada Dry has made the move of now putting them they don't ha- they don't have cases of Canada Dry. I can't buy cases of Canada Dry. Time was a man, a grown man, grown ass man in his, in his early fifties could buy a gentleman's twelve pack of Canada Dry. Uh-huh. Oh, guess what they're doing now? Now they're getting cute, and now uh, they're they have eight packs. That's John, not a John, thing. they that's sell you a, a cardboard eight pack, and the little dispenser doesn't even. You heard me struggling. Did you hear me struggling over there with the dispenser trying to get was it that, open? Was that from an eight pack? That's from an eight pack. I'm stuck with eight packs now, like an animal. I've never heard of an eight pack. Eight pack. Hmm. Hmm. And I don't well, get it. I don't get it from Safeway anymore because my gig economy service they have they they charge a premium for going to Safeway. Fuck Safeway in the eye to begin with. I'm a Molly Stones man. Huh, I, I don't want to make it creepy. I don't even know what that is. Molly but. Stones. What's that place you and I go to uh, in Seattle? Uh, what's your kind of nice grocery store? Oh well, Seattle's just built on kind of nice grocery stores now. But are you talking about the QFC? Probably the place that has flowers, and we bought some steaks there. Yeah, QFC yeah. probably. They, they, the uh, quality yeah. food center, but they're oh. owned. They're owned by somebody now. I don't know who. Sure, they're not independent anymore. But then we have the, you know, we've got the uh, co-op, and we've got the, the other co-op market, and we've mm. got the. You know, the like, how many fancy olives do you want store? Oh, you get an olive bar, John. You get an olive bar. We've got more olives than the other place. (sighs) 
stuff it with blue cheese. So now I'm in a situation where I got a monkey on my back and I got a moray yeah. on my butt. So now I've got uh, Ramore. Mor- Rebecca de Mornay is the actress, right? Right. Okay. Uh, more, yeah, it's a, it's a, um, a Monet. You have a Monet. I got a Monet book. up close. It looks like a bargain. Mm-hmm. But the. <sighs> so now How I'm stuck you- with this. With the eight pack. Well, I'm stuck because also I like the. Here's the problem. I'm a connoisseur, John. Yeah, I like are. the flavor. I like the mouthfeel of Canada Dry. It's better than the generics. Yeah. It has a slightly sweet aspect to it, maybe oh. because of where they source their water. It's sweet water. It's sweet. It's not sweet. It's not like that fucking vitamin water bullshit. Like, just have a Coke. Like, you know, in this case. But, uh, but you're saying, like, the, the fizz has a sweet. The fizz, a, it has a, it has a, it has a cool, sweet, <laughs> round quality to it, utterly lacking in the mm. other generics. Or, let's be honest, the other premium products. How Well, speaking of which, mm. I have a good friend um, uh, who is addicted. Well, let me, mm. let, me, let me roll that back. Wow. I have... I live in a culture now of people who are addicted to the LaCroix brand of uh, of mildly flavored. I don't understand how that has become such a lifestyle. I don't understand how that is. People have taken up the mantle of LaCroix as something. It's like vaping. It's like I just don't understand like how that became such a thing. I have a gal pal Mm. who is a uh, motorcycle adventure person Mm -hmm. and her online handle is hookers and popcorn. Mm-hmm. That's her tag. That's mm-hmm. her uh, her brand. Her mm-hmm. uh, what would you call it? Not her avatar. I guess handle. Let's call it handle. It's called handle. And under the handle, hookers and popcorn. She does all kinds of motorcycle stunts and lifestyle events. She goes into adventures and does adventurey things. She jumps around. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes will uh, ride a motorcycle standing on it. Hmm. Or uh, that doesn't seem very safe. It's not. She does unsafe things. That's a that's another that's another she, way. She of puts unsafe it. photos on on the Instagram. She does unsafe things. Puts photos up of them, and then it's she's you know she's not saying that she's a role mm-hmm. model. You know mm-hmm. if you if you mm-hmm. go jump on your motorcycle in sparkly underwear and ride mm-hmm. it standing up uh, over a cliff, like that's your problem. Mm-hmm. The fact that she has a trained eagle that grabbed her right at the last minute and flew her off to a mesa mm-hmm. where she had a, a ayahuasca ceremony does not mean that that's going to happen to you. Hmm. Uh, and she's a member of a culture of people who are lifestyle uh, purveyors. She, she, so would that, you say she has a lifestyle brand? I think so. I, she resists it or maybe resisted it. It doesn't maybe sound she's very cool when you now. put it that way. No, 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 no. But, but you know, you, she often is in a group of people and they're all like, whoa, check me. And they're all doing like amazing things. They're all like stunt motorcyclists and skateboarders. You know, they're, they're basically all skateboarders, let's be honest. But skateboarders of cars. Uh, but, and it's amazing. Believe me, they truly do amazing things. It's just that, like, there's mm-hmm. always a drone flying around. Somebody's jumping their motorcycle over 40 cows. I think this is a thing cows. now. This is a thing now. There's, like, that one guy who looks like a frog on YouTube, and he's real popular, and he, he takes his Canon camera out, and he jumps canyons and stuff, and yeah. tells you how it's to enjoy that. life, and you are alive. You're alive, exactly. And, yeah. you know, they all have, like, uh, like a million followers, mm-hmm. and I don't know what happens. People give them stuff. Okay. And, you know, me, I've been living mm-hmm. on uh, uh, Red's Vitamin C and cocaine for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I never, you know, I don't turn my nose up at a swag bag. No, that's how you get your coffee. That's how I get my coffee. But like, nobody's given me a motorcycle mm-hmm. and I'm not saying anybody's given them motorcycles either. Well, 
But uh, oh, and also the uh, we got to talk about the Gibson company later. But. Oh shit, dog! I saw that and thought of you. <laughs> Wrong keyboard. Worst thing with a common denominator. Yeah. And uh, Gibson woes. Gibson. Oh, they got woes, buddy. Sure, they got woes. You saw you but, saw this co- you saw that coming miles off. I did. I've been talking about. You this went for to the eight factory years. and you were disappointed. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, it's on the list. I got it. Uh, but she drinks. 80 LaCroix a day. Mm. Does she finish them? I think so. Hmm. She'll often send a photograph uh, of uh, the floor bed of her, you know, the the footwells of her truck as she drives across America uh, from one adventure to the next in a a never-ending constellation of a string of pearls of of outrageous adventures. Mm Mm-hmm. And the footwell of her truck will be like, like ankle deep in Lacroix cans, and I don't think you're throwing those Lacroix cans down there half full. That would be a mess. Mm-hmm. I think she's finishing them off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's not doing what we used to do, and I don't see people do this very often anymore. Where you finish a can of something and you crush it yeah. as part of finishing it. Did you ever do that? I do it now because I'm a super recycler and I need every square right. inch, every cubic inch. And you have that problem. I remember the last time I I spent any, you know, stayed multiple nights at your home. Mm -hmm. There was the constant problem of where is the can of sparkling water I was most recently drinking? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I do that. There's like there's cans on top of everything. And it's like, oh, shit. And they're all half full. When I did my afternoon cleanup yesterday, I tried to clean up in the afternoon, (coughs) get ready for the dinner hour, get everything prepped. I I go and I I clean up any uh, cans that are around. I had I had three three quarters full cans. That's that's how you know you got a problem because the fizz is gone at that point. But I feel like she has been trying to get LaCroix to. Start backing up the LaCroix truck, if you know what I'm saying. But I think they don't, I don't think they do it because I feel like there's probably within the LaCroix cult. Uh huh. um, I don't know if they need it. No, everybody's drinking that stuff. They don't need any advertising. They don't need anybody right. jumping motorcycles drinking a LaCroix. But oh, God, she's naked Dry, in some of these pictures. She's naked in some of these photos, John, or part naked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Not everybody in the lifestyle brand circuit is. She, she finds also, she finds herself naked in a lot of unusual situations. She's busy having adventures. Like she's you naked a lot in public. John, were you aware of this? I'm she's got her pants you, part off in this one. She's not a uh, she's not a role model. She's mm, a, she she's never said that. Mm-mm. Nope. She's doing her own thing in her own in her own time. Mm. She's mm. making stuff up as she goes, but she's you know she truly does do some. She lays on the ground a lot. Hairball stuff. That's one of her. That's one of her. Her things. She mm. does the uh, like. I'm face down, dead on the ground, mm. some somewhere. Okay. It's it's a it's oh, over time. You know, everybody's got a little bit, and when you follow people's bits, yeah. Over time, you're like, yeah, I'm into that bit now. <clears throat> yeah, no, I understand. She, she did I understand. one here in front of my house. She okay. was like, uh, she laid down in in front of uh, Shea Farmhouse here mm-hmm. and did a dead dead girl thing. She seems pretty good at this. Yeah, she's good. She has. She's good. She's good. She's good people. Mm-hmm. But but uh, but you know, the it's the Lacroix really that is the of of all the you would think she'd be like repping all these heavy brands like sports gear and you know all the the uh, uh, people that are doing like adventure sports stuff. It seems like they're always going holding up their K twos and being like, "I did it," or mm-hmm. you know, Mountain Dew <clears throat> or whatever. You know, they're. Or like, like you know, or you'd find some kind of bespoke uh, upstart brand that that needs a, a motorcycle lady 
you know, that could really benefit from being part of that, that branding? Um, I'm, I'm just saying LaCroix is pretty well established. Yeah. Uh, but but she's not doing it to get. I don't think she's uh, she's just like addicted to Lacroix. The point of this story Sorry. is, I don't. Well, no, it's what's it, directly to your point. I don't understand to any of you mm-hmm. how you get addicted to fizzy water. It's got no caffeine in it. It's got no sugar in it. It's got no. What is it doing to you? Like I'll have a I'll have a soda water when I'm with you, mm-hmm. but like. I don't know. I think know. You're, you're, having, you're having a can of Safeway seltzer in uh, the interview in my yard that one time. Uh-huh. I think you had a coffee. You got a coffee and maybe you had a coffee. I had a seltzer, something like that. Uh, <clears throat> I, yeah. I, mean, I have a theory. I think, I think part of it is, and I, I got into this with the, uh, when I was doing the SodaStream family of products, is uh, if you're somebody who enjoys sparkling water, you, I think increasingly uh, you're chasing the dragon. You like that burn. You, you like uh, that super like strong burn. fizz. It doesn't hurt. But, I mean, think about you and hydrogen peroxide, another monkey mm. you got on my back. Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't you like that feeling? You swish it around, it burns a little bit, you got a canker sore, you go, ooh, I really got in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that burn. I like any kind of burn. Mm-hmm. Any, anything you put on something and it hurts. Mm. See? Yeah, see, that's it's the healing. It but tastes then, like then healing. you want that with grapefruit. You know, my, my, my lady likes the, the pomplamoose. That's her favorite of the LaCroix. Did you, did you know mm. that the uh, medication that I'm taking... It is contraindicated to eat grapefruit. <gasps> the devil you say. Yeah. Something. I don't know what. And this is the miracles of the world. This is chemistry. Huh. Uh, somehow, if you eat grapefruit, it makes the medicine not work. Is it, is it contraindicated by other hand fruit and citrus? I think some, you can eat oranges. Some, something special. Something special think, about, about grapefruit. Yeah. And the thing is, I didn't even know... That medical people and pharmacologists were even paying that close of attention to stuff. Hmm. Like, how would they have even figured that out? I feel like it's a thing where somebody was like a grapefruit fiend, and they said, "My medicine doesn't work," mm-hmm. and they they put it together. But like, are they just testing it? How do they even test that? How I'm on the WebMD page for interactions uh, for the fruit grapefruit, and there's a yeah. lot of interactions. Between grapefruit and other things. Oh, sister, you're not gonna. You wouldn't believe how many there are. Buse, Busebar, Coreg, Propulsid, uh, Anaphronil. I think that's one of the stay awake drugs. Uh, Dextromethorphan. Oh, that's Robitussin. You can't yeah, have Dextromethorphan. The body breaks down Dextromethorphan to get rid of it. Grapefruit might decrease how quickly the body breaks down Dextromethorphan. Yeah, Drinking grapefruit juice uh, might increase the effects and side effects of it. Yeah. Oh, so it's a, it's an antagonist, an agonist. Yeah, it's an, a, an, an it's a multiplier, it's a force agonist. multiplier for for cough syrup. Some things it it force multiplies. Some things it antagonizes. Interesting. But you know, don't mess around Mm-mm. with Leroy Brown. Yeah, pull on Superman's cape. <laughs> and I <laughs> am a, as you know, a pomplamoose lover myself. Mm. Um, because I like anything that burns. I like anything that hurts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh... Major but, inter- oh, there's major interactions. I, I'm going to send you this link. This is crazy, John. Yeah. Um, but, I, uh, but I don't... I have never gotten on the, the personal fizzy water train. And I did get... I did get uh, 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 one of those soda streams. Uh-huh. And I did make my own fizzy water uh, for a long time before... I just like everybody that buys a thing like that just sort of got bored of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but it's not a thing like 
I don't do that thing that you or Jenny um, uh, like uh, uh, does with the with the like. I need this in profusion. Mm-hmm. How many do you drink an entire twelve pack a day? Approximately. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And that, that's a real screwed up now with the eight packs. I don't even have a way of, like, easily knowing how many I've had. Now, you can't get a 12-pack? They're they don't in? sell it anymore. They've, re, they've redone it. They've repackaged it. Oh. Yeah. No, but here's this is the indication that you're a user, is that I'm never out. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm always, I'm always stocked up. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's one of those things like chain smoking. Where you're never not doing the thing unless there's a reason or, you know, admonition from doing the thing. Like, I've, I've always got one of these. I got uh-huh. Rattle, rattle, rattle. <laughs> but it's like, the, it's like the chains of the ghost of Christmas past. <sighs> too, too true. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com. It's right there on the internet. Ooh, you guys know it. I am such a fan of Squarespace. It is what we use to host Roderick on the line. More about that in a second. But what do you want Squarespace for? Well, you can use it for pretty much anything. What you do, you go to Squarespace and you create a beautiful website. You can turn your cool idea into a new website. You can showcase your work. You can have a blog or publish other kinds of text content. Uh, You could have a portfolio of images or your previous work. You can sell products and services. Promote your physical or online business. Please, Restaurants of America, get onto Squarespace. You can even announce an upcoming event or a special project. All this and so much more. Squarespace.com. Squarespace does all of this by giving you beautiful templates that are created by world-class designers. They have powerful e-commerce functionality built right in, lets you sell anything you want online. You have the ability to customize the look and feel of your site, your settings, your products, all of your stuff with just a few clicks. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box, so it looks good on any device or dingus. Squarespace also has a new way to buy domains, and you can choose from over 200 domain extensions. They have analytics that help you grow in real time built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting. (gasps) They have it all. And on top of it all, nothing to patch or upgrade. It's a worry-free experience. They have 24 by 7 award-winning customer support. If you ever do have questions, they're great at that. So get out there. We're encouraging folks to make it. You make it yourself. Easily create a website all by yourself. Uh, As I've said before, I'm a huge fan of Squarespace. I've been with them for I don't even know how many years now. If you're listening to the Roderick on the Line podcast, which I assume you are right now, you're already using Squarespace. You're using it as a consumer of Squarespace, but you could also use it as a creator of Squarespace. You put up whatever you want. You get it up there, you dingus. Put something on Squarespace. You go to Squarespace, squarespace.com. And when you go there, you know what? You can use, well, first of all, you go to Squarespace and create a free trial. That's number one. When you're ready to buy, you use the offer code SUPERTRAIN, and that will save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, squarespace.com, offer code SUPERTRAIN. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Three spirits will visit you tonight. Can they bring me some water? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think I'll have a delicious malt liquor. (laughs) I'm just so thirsty this morning. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's hard. Well, you know, know, I I passed over a Stixie and Rubicon myself with this, where I used to be satisfied. I passed over a four-leaf clover and the river sticks. I got, uh, you know, for a long time I would get the cans, and then I thought, huh, I should do the soda stream. And of course, then, 
you know, I, I, I think I became in our circle somewhat well known yep, for doing the soda this. stream. This was not, the biggest not, part of your brand. Not that it matters, but like, no, I would make it and, it and I was really into it and I got really into it and I got extra bottles. And then pretty soon I was getting into a situation where I was extra doing extra bottles because you wanted a stockpile. You got a stockpile. I'm not going to be out of it. But then, yep. of course, we got a kid and you can't do that at night. It wakes up the whole household. And then I, I, I passed a Rubiconian sticks, which is that at this point I was like, okay, this isn't really practical. There's too many like bottles that have to be washed and you cross just... the rubicon and the sticks oh both of them yeah i go both ways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uphill mm-hmm. yeah anyway so that's how i got back into the cans and then eventually in the fullness of time i discovered the uh, the canada drive brand and i started now you know there's a problem so now i'm out there trying to buy like the mickey mouse lsd like i had to have a special kind of fizzy water it's just yeah. you know i don't have places to talk about this so this is I this know. is an opportunity opportunity <laughs> It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. State. I had to go to the ATM, John. I had to go to the ATM. You um, went to the ATM in order to pay your dealer. Is that what you're saying? I can't get into it. So anyway, um, what's the worst thing? I typed this really. Do you want to talk about Gibson Woes, the wrong keyboard, or the worst thing to do with a common denominator? Well, let me ask you first of all. I, you're, this is the only. I'm always amazed, as you know, yeah, by computer people. And by their uh, their uh, ups and downs, their ins and outs, their foibles, their you know their common little uh, like uh, keychains that they hand to one another. It, it must uh, seem very odd to you. And you have, have uh, you, for a long time you were my number one computer guy, the one that was that uh, would explain all the computers to me. And uh, when I would say, "What the what the what?" you would say, "Oh well, that's just." this or this is just that mm-hmm, and i mm-hmm. would go oh thank you that now I, the way i like to think of it john is i i think i i feel this is true for myself with technology for a long time and i know it's true with other people who instruct me which is like i just i don't need to know everything about this at a high level let me know if this is something i need to know about and if it is or something i just need to not worry about or think about right yeah. and, and if it is something i might want to be interested in can you just give me some bullets to just sort of acquaint me to kind of be my personal wikipedia for letting me know like if i'm in the ballpark for for getting near understanding of this thing so like yeah, i can say you, to you like oh you don't need to worry about that yeah you don't need to sign up for that service that's silly don't do that you did that a lot for me you would say that's not a thing that you care about and i would say but but and you'd say no yeah don't worry don't worry don't worry uh, if that ever becomes a thing that you need to know about you'll know about it Mm-hmm. And I was like, great, awesome. Uh, but there are still things that amaze me all the time. Um, I had a question about, for instance, uh, last night, it seemed like when I got home, I went on the internet to look at uh, things, mm-hmm. as you do. And it seemed like everyone that I knew and everyone in the world well, uh, everyone was watching Jesus uh, Christ Jesus Superstar, Christ Superstar mm-hmm. on the television. Yes. And my question was not, um, like, uh, why? Because obviously Jesus Christ Superstar is amazing, and and uh, and this was a, a live production of it, live streaming on TV. Yeah, they did, they did a live uh, production of it for the East Coast and the West Coast, so they did it twice. But so, oh, oh, really? And both times it was a different performance. I think so. Typically, when NBC does these live uh, things, they, they tend to do it twice. 
And judging well, by the way, uh, Judas kind of screwed up the lyrics for having on my mind. Uh oh. No, he did fine, but it was a loud room. I think he lost the cadence a little bit, but that guy was good. Where was the performance taking place? Uh, I want to say Los Angeles area. <clears throat> well, so here's my question. Mm-hmm. I do not remember in the last five days everybody saying, we're all going to watch Jesus Christ Superstar on TV, right? Everybody? It came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. And everyone seemed to be watching it. I hadn't heard about it. And also, I think if I had heard about it, like the premise wouldn't have necessarily been super enticing. Like, oh, NBC is going to do a live Jesus Christ Superstar. I would have been like, oh. you, you wouldn't like clear your schedule for that if you knew about right. it two weeks ahead. Yeah, like there's a lot of stuff going on uh, that you can watch on TV. And, and yet it seemed like everybody just agreed offline or in a secret news group, oh, we're all going to watch this thing and we're all going to like live comment on it. And I understand when it's the Oscars or something yeah. that everybody's on, everybody's watching the Oscars. It's just understood that you're going to do it. But that was an example of a cultural moment where where I was like, okay, do I follow 400 people who just all are really into musical theater? Mm-hmm. Is that, that's not unlikely, or it's not impossible. Yeah, like, what was, like, where did this come from? And when it came, where it came from, is it more about an interest in a live event? Is it about the, the theater part? Is it about, you're curious about this production? Like, well, how did it become such a phenom? Yeah, do you have any insight into that for me? Yeah, I mean, I think just because of my own uh, way in with it, was I had not heard about this at all. Yeah. Uh, at all. And then um, I saw, saw a couple people on political Twitter making jokes about Jesus Christ Superstar and referencing Mr. Show's Jeepers Creepers. And right. uh, and I thought, oh, that's kind of weird that everybody's mentioning that. And then it, it didn't seem like it was until, like, I think Saturday night, Sunday morning, that I was even aware that this was going to be a thing. I, I don't know. I don't know where. You, I mean, I just there's. Testament to this is the fact that when I did flip it on at 7.58 last night, there was a show where Steve Harvey talks to talented children, that I, a show I didn't know existed. Because I, <laughs> I don't know most TV exists. Not because I'm a snob, but just because that's the nature of TV today. That's how right. I found out about it, and I am uh, a fan of... Um, I mean, I guess I'm a fan of the musical. I'm, I'm really a super fan of a handful of the songs. Yeah. Um, and my daughter is getting more into what you could generally call musical theater. I mean, she likes some musicals a lot and especially some kind of like, especially stagey things a lot. And I thought, ah, you know, this could be fun. She doesn't know from yeah. Jesus. I had to give her a lot of like backstory on what's happening with Judas. <laughs> Jesus backstory. Yeah. Judas, I basically said Judas, Judas in this is, in, in, apart from also being a black guy, Judas in this is kind of like Aaron Burr in uh, Hamilton. He's the real, mm. he's, he's sort of down to earth. He's worried about being practical. Yeah, but no, that's that's how I found out about it. We watched it. I let her watch a little bit of it. She got to see Caiaphas, and then she had to go to bed. I know a lot about Steve Harvey mm-hmm. uh, because I follow. Uh, do you do you know who Vic Berger is? Oh, he makes the funny videos, right? He makes the funny videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, she know, she only knows about Keenan Thompson's impersonation of him from Saturday Night Live. I was like, that's <laughs> that's the guy that the guy you like from Saturday Night Live is impersonating. <laughs> he, uh, Vic Berger. Makes little videos. Oh my god, they're uh, so funny. His Jim Baker features, videos. His, oh my god, they're they're awful. Uh, but his Steve Harvey videos are uh, are also. He hasn't made one in a while, but they're very fun. And so I have a. Uh, so I became aware of Steve Harvey, and then, you know, did a little back background research on him to know what the hell I was looking at. 
the Jim Baker food buckets. That is um, that is a very very funny episode. Steve Harvey is like he's kind of a throwback, maybe a little bit along the lines of Chris Hardwick. Kind of a throwback to a kind of character you don't see as much anymore. Actually, the kind of character I always thought you should aspire to be, which is a TV personality. You got people yeah. who just show up and do stuff in different places, and sometimes they have a regular show or another regular show, but they're just like a fixture of TV uh, to a, uh, and I don't say it's disparagingly, but to a mainstream audience. You go, oh, look, that's Steve Harvey. He's doing another thing. Yeah. Sort of like what? Sort of like, uh, I don't want to say Paul Lynn, but sort of like along the lines of somebody you would see on Mike Douglas, you know, who might host, you know, uh, Battle of the Network Stars or something. I mean, that that world doesn't exist anymore, and I, and that's kind of the thing that confuses me about this thing that, that, that you watched last night, because it feels like a throwback to a time when everybody sat down to watch the day after, mm-hmm. because there were only... <laughs> There were only three things on TV. What else are you going to watch? You're going to watch Hello, Larry? No, you're yeah. going to watch the world blow up. No, you're going to watch the one. You're going to watch the show where it's That's where the, the thing is, like, know. there's not that much event viewing anymore. And in the in the age of so lots of people like idiots like me will there are a handful of shows like Game of Thrones that I will watch the second that it comes on. Yeah. Uh, but you can't really talk about it because of spoilers and stuff. But like, a part, if you're not in the world right. of live sports, you don't have that much community event viewing anymore. Right, community event viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, well, you know, I don't even have a TV, so it's not oh, of course, I don't either. If I do have a TV, I don't know about it. But so you were saying earlier uh, that you were like, oh, gosh, and I have the wrong keyboard. And, and, and so in my mind, all of a sudden, not only did, did my mind generate a world in which you have like a shelf with uh, between nine and 15 keyboards and you pull them down. Like, I deploy oh, this them is the my... way like people from West Virginia deploy rifles. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, oh, man, I need my or just like, oh, I need my Gibson SG for this song. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, this is my Roderick on the line keyboard this is or good. whatever. You're like doing a personal herald. You're like bringing all the topics together in this area. Yeah, that's this right. Come good. on. Let's just let's just yes, let's put them all on one card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And and uh, and so I was like, wow. But then I thought, then immediately I leapt to, oh shit, do I not have enough keyboards? Oh no, like, really? Is that Did you my FOMO, problem? John? Did you have a FOMO? I was just like, whoa. Merlin didn't tell me I needed multiple keyboards. Mm. And now you send me a picture, and what it seems like you have is an analog clickety clack keyboard, mm-hmm. and then you have that great little keyboard that you told <laughs> me to buy <laughs> right. a long time ago, the little solar powered keyboard. And I still have mine, and not only do I have one, but I got another one for another key, uh, another computer, and uh, I think they're just great little keyboards. So you were saying you were going to be on the clackety clack one, but Boy, you look didn't at all the have dan- your... Can you see all the dander on these? Yeah, there's a lot of dander. I, I posted a picture of my keyboard one time, and I got like forty replies that were God, like, I "Clean your people. disgusting keyboard." This is why I don't put anything slob. on the internet anymore. They're going, "Oh, why you got a box cutter? Are you a terrorist?" Scotch tape? You like Scotch brand tape? <laughs> oh, I see you bought those expensive uh, earphones. I bet, I bet, though. $5 bill? I can't believe you still use cash. What kind of hat is that? I thought you liked the other kind of hat. What is that? Is that a moleskin pen? Is that a moleskin pen? Why don't you, if it's a solar keyboard, why don't you clean off the solar part, you yeah. monkey? Solar part. Thanks, 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 buddy. I got a, I got a tweet yesterday. <sighs> That was, and this is how you know that there it's a crazy tweet, mm-hmm. <laughs> because although it's only at they they only at me, they're speaking as though they are t- 
talking about me to a group of people. Uh, sometimes right? you got to like, check the tweet before that one. Oh, I see. Where, I think this where, will be of interest to Professor Roderick. I see. I think this was just out of the blue, or no, it was in reply because I sent out some. I sent out some tweets. I'm you, very, you get, you're getting lots of lots of responses to your nice tweets. That was a nice tweet storm you did. Well, I was very. I'm very shy about hmm. about promoting myself and, and yeah, and about promoting uh, the 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 podcast. But you did it well. You did it well, and you were real straight up about it. You didn't go, "Hey, for the afternoon crowd, in case you missed it, tiddly ding." Yeah. You were straight up. You said, hey, I make these podcasts, and I'm happy and proud of these. And if you're not listening to them, I'd like you to give them a try. And I thought you were a real gentleman about it. Well, and I got a lot of nice, nice, nice replies. A lot of a lot of people that, that uh, you know, that obviously, like, Roderick on the Line was their introduction, and, and, they're, and they still love the show, and they wanted to say how much that they did. And, and you know, I love that stuff, although that's not what I was... Uh, you know, I'm never. But it's like it's like, it's like President I, Nixon said: you get a silent majority. You get. I mean, majority. the truth is, most people who listen to your sh- to to a, a podcast like tend to like the podcast. Yep. Why why would they ever say anything about it? Yep. But it's nice They're, when people do that. I I'm I, I'm happy and humbled when people do that. It makes me very happy. Yeah, me too. Me too. Absolutely. But then, but then, and 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 as you're just describing, like when I put them out there, I thought. Because every time you're reading the replies, you're like, "How long before I get? How long before I get a turkey here? How long yeah. before I get? Uh, the, before I'm at the Wonka factory and the goose that's laying the golden eggs? One of them goes and goes down the the shithole. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, I know. And there was one that was just like some asshole remark, and I went and looked at their bio, and their Twitter bio was like, "I'm an asshole." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, you're easy to block." Yeah, but this. That I got one uh, yesterday. I tried it a couple years ago. I couldn't get into it. Thanks, <laughs> no, thanks, man. It, it was what, a guy, what do you do? <laughs> it was a guy who said, um, "No, the, no, the one that the one that was like, I'm an asshole.' Was just you know, like, what do you call three white guys sitting around with nothing to talk about? A podcast. I was like, that's good. That's yeah, good stuff. Good that's stuff. Good. You should record take, that. Take that's off, very clever. Yeah, take it on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, this guy was like, I used to. Love Roderick on the line. I listened to it all the time. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, my you know, number one show or whatever. But I listened to Friendly Fire, my podcast where I talk about war movies. Mm-hmm. And John was so mean to mm. Saving Private Ryan mm. that I can't listen to any of the shows anymore. Not only not that, that, that sounds like a straight up medical situation. <laughs> not only not that's very very line. difficult to diagnose. Yeah, and is that I was really is like, that what happened? Is that what happened? Like, is John said he didn't oh. like a movie and now you can't listen to his stuff? Well, it wasn't just that I uh, that I said very I hurtful, didn't, very hurtful, uh, John. <laughs> the thing is, I do like Saving Private Ryan. I might have like oversold how mad I Why was. Why don't you just about do a podcast Private? where you just compliment things all the time? Wouldn't that be well, fun? I do feel like that's what some people want. Why, why would you review movies if you don't like some of them? Wow, this bag of Czech mix, Czech party mix is really good. I like every single thing in it. I can't even, I don't even know which one to praise most. They're all yeah. so good. I can They're imagine why good. anybody would love these more than all of their foods. I could not praise anyone more than another. Oh, then you know what you get with that one is you get. Oh, you know what you forgot? You forgot this other check mix that I make that you've uh, never heard yeah. of. You forgot. You forgot. I love you. Forgot guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was a guy that re- replied and said, "Oh yeah, podcasts are great. You should listen to mine." <laughs> <laughs> and then another that's, guy, that's super. another guy, like a pretty excellent guy, was like, "Um, that's kind of not how you do it. <laughs> you don't do that. You don't like reply to somebody's really nice." 
tweet stream about what they're making with a link to your own thing. And then the guy replied to that guy. Oh, boy. And said, it's on. He said, you don't know me, man. I'm living in my car right now. And still I'm managing to put podcasts out every week. (laughs) (laughs) That'll show you. (laughs) The guy guy had the greatest line. He was like, "Uh, well, you know, like being poor and being an asshole are not mutually exclusive. Oh, doctor. I'm just always, we've talked about this before. I've talked about this everywhere. I'm sorry. That's just how I feel. Uh, I think one must be very careful about feeling a level of familiarity with a stranger to to where your first time that you address them, you address them as though they know you as well as you feel you know them. And I almost did it last night. Somebody like that I like and follow on political Twitter who has no idea who I am had a hot take on how Godspell is better than Jesus Christ Superstar, which of course is a garbage opinion. And I was, <laughs> I was about to make a joke about it. And then I thought, wait a minute. If, if, somebody, if somebody did that to me, I'd go like this, brr, brr. like you know, basically the sound of running into something in an old video game, like brr. like <laughs> try, try try the key again, like and, and like that. My first interaction with Matthew Gertz might have been, I'm gonna let you have this one because it's Easter, Matthew Gertz, and then, of course he would see that. I close the window because I knew he doesn't know who I am. Leave well, it. Leave, I, leave it. it. Like, I'm going to be my first interaction with this person that I like and admire is to be an asshole. And I was like, yeah. don't be that guy. Yeah. And, and I'm not yeah. even saying I'm not even saying you have to go and, like, roll out a carpet and bring a fizzy drink and say, oh, I love everything you do. But, like, don't don't assume, like, a level of familiarity that, that that's not there. If somebody did that with you, well, look what happened with that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy, that somebody turned around and did that to him, and he, he got all touchy about it. Oh, he was mad. He was mad. In fact, he ended up texting he ended up tweeting me that he blocked the other dude oh and i was like hey buddy you and i are not the friends in this scenario yeah. like you and i are not the ones that are conspiring <laughs> against the other guy who i think i'm is removing fun. myself from this narrative <laughs> <laughs> uh. but i you know the i still do it where i see somebody i admire on twitter that i think is doing something funny yeah. and i try to chime in mm-hmm. with some funny thing like lol and, and, and then i get that back and i'm just like oh and then i kind of you know my shoulders sag and i'm like they didn't oh, they didn't reply didn't like my thing and then i'm like you know and then i go through a little minute or two where i'm like just don't even bother just don't even try the afternoon crowd in case you missed it here's yeah. my bon mot and and then I'm just like, oh, no, of course they got a lot of replies. You know, Do yeah. you, you know my friend Elon Gale, right? The uh, the producer of the Bachelor, the, the airplane guy. He's, he's the airplane. He's a he's whatever Janet and C seven C or he's a he's a, tr- he's a troublemaker. He's a troublemaker, and he probably gets twenty thousand replies to every tweet he does. Oh yeah, like let me let me redo your joke in a not as funny way or explain it to you. Yeah, yep, but he's incredibly good about making sure that if if i like jump in and go hey (laughs) (laughs) let me get in there you know like hey 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 hey, he gives you you like a little leg up he always gives me a prop he he always like he always does a touch right Mm. he just like reaches out and, and even if it's just like yeah buddy he he's super duper duper considerate about the about like there's my friend and i don't know how he does it i don't know how he's scanning through all this stuff and maybe he has some setting where he's just like people i know are the only ones i want to see you can do he's that al- yeah. he's always good about just like hello 
and gives that little touch. That's nice. And I'm not good at it. People are like, you know, trying to jump in all the time. And I'm just like, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. But I don't like give them a bunch of, I'm not like throwing uh, a game at everybody. Yeah. But boy, when I don't. That's unseemly. It is, but 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 you know, if I'm like jumping in on some some thread of friends, and I'm like, yeah, you guys, and it's just like, yeah, just to hear the tumbleweeds, I'm like, oh <sighs> fuck, never try, never try, Mm-mm. just go, just go die in a John, hole. John, are you being a tryhard? This is a term I learned last week. Are you being a tryhard? Mm, See, now I need you. Like a good thing to do. Are you are you here for this? Is this everything yep. right now? I'm here. <laughs> 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 no, there's these terms that I read, and I don't. Suddenly, everybody's telling me what they're here for. Oh, or, or they'll tell me they'll tell me that is everything, or 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 sometimes there are some kinds of things that are too real. What do these things mean? Oh, I don't know. Like these Easter eggs were too real. Twitter told me too real. Oh, too real. Like oh man, whoo, too too, too real. real. I'm here for this. I'm here for this. I'm here for this. Where do you put the accent? I'm here I can't tell. For it's this. just a text medium. And you can't have bold this. face. I'm here for this. I'm here for this. Oh, man, you uh, you uh, untangled a lot of wire there. Well, you know, the, the, the thing that was going around a few years ago, which was, I'm done. Oh, mm-hmm. Uh, people were like, I'm, I'm done. And it wasn't friendly. It wasn't like, I'm done. It was like, I'm done. Hmm. And they it was, was that kind of like they say I'm over this. Yeah, it was like a mic drop thing where oh. they'd have some exchange with somebody, and then they'd just be like, "I'm done," mm-hmm. as though like they were some you know some king in a uh, like a, a '50s teleplay who was like off with his head or something, or like vaudeville. They're giving you the hook. Oh, the hook, right? But mm-hmm. but it wasn't funny or friendly. Mm-mm. And I remember, so I, when I was running for city council, I was sitting in the stranger offices with their uh, election control board with my opponents. The three of us were sitting, or four of us, I'm sorry, were sitting around a big table with all of the stranger editorial writers, and they were peppering us with hard questions. Mm, they have hats that said press on them? Uh, they basically did. And there was, and uh, on the election control board, there were like three people who were older. Uh, in the my age area, one of them was Dan Savage, uh, who's a little older than me. One of them was Tim Keck, the publisher, who's a little older than me. But they were like olds. Mm-hmm. And then there were the youngs, who were all in their mid-20s, who were like the radical stranger writers who believed that private property should be abolished and that we don't need police. And they were really, one of them in particular, who ended up getting fired from the stranger for being a dickhole. Mm-hmm. Um and like a not not just personality wise, but he was fired because he did unscrupulous journalistic things. Well, that's no good. You don't want that. No, and I never liked him. He's a he's a tool and a bad writer. But he definitely felt like he wanted the other guy to win. Oh, uh, interesting. He wanted my opponent to win. He could just, it was just written all over him, and okay. he was asking, he was peppering me with questions about stuff that my opponent was an expert on. So one of my opponents was a housing, like a, um, a housing advocate, and he was directing the 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 writer was directing a stream of of increasingly hostile questions to me, like, well, what's your housing plan? Mm-hmm. And essentially, my answer was, my housing plan is once I'm elected, I'm going to hire this guy to my right to be my housing guy. What are you talking about? What's my housing plan? I'm not going to go head to head with a, with my opponent who's got it who's 
for 10 years has been developing a housing plan. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm running for city council, not for housing guy. Right. And at one point, he said, he leaned back in his chair and he was like, I'm done. Really? Yeah. That's a, that's I, a thing that he said. Yeah. And I felt, what when you go back, when you run for office like that, it's a very concentrated... A set of events where I, apparently, if I'm any indication, the rest of your life you will be replaying those moments and going, oh, you know what I should have said? <laughs> because it's a lot of those things all at once. And, you know, you build up a lifetime's uh, a lifetime worth of, oh, mm-hmm. what I should have said. Like, when anytime I'm driving now. Es- esprit d'escalier. Yeah. If I drive for very long, I will. my mind will start to go to some event in a union hall somewhere where I should have told somebody where they could put it. And what I should have said to that guy was... <laughs> the jerk store con, they're running out of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you mean you're done? You're not done. Like, what the fuck is that supposed You're done. Yeah, but like, then now you don't want to become that guy where you're famous for that interview. Well... You know, I'd rather be famous for that interview than not famous for that interview. That's what Oscar Wilde said. (laughs) 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 You know, I could have, I would have happily burned that place down. I walked Uh, out there like, because the stranger was supposed to, they were supposed to be my friends, right? I've known, I've I've been part of the stranger. I've written for the stranger. They're all, they're all pals, you know? And yet they had this, every three years they hire a bunch of new young writers and the new young writers weren't friends of mine. They didn't know anything about me. And it was like a, I, I expected some <laughs> leftist old boy network treatment mm-hmm. where it was like the stranger has been, you know, like the stranger is a radical newspaper. I'm a radical. We've always been on the same page, but now there are a bunch of 24 year olds that think I'm a, that think I'm some crusty. And it's like, oh, bummer. These, I should have run for office 10 years ago. I, I uh, in the spirit of your personal herald, I, I feel like there's a sort of a thread that runs through some of this stuff that something is something that I try to be aware of because I think it's important. I mean, one problem when we communicate with others, and especially today in the weirdly mediated way that we have access to strangers, um, not the titular stranger, but p- people we don't know, um, I... I feel like there's a certain kind of I'm done tone to things. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly do it. I'm sure we all do it. We all have limited attention and patience and uh, vulnerability that we're willing to have destroyed. But um, I think I think one thing, you don't have to be cute about this. You don't have to be like a fakey weirdo about it. But like when you're interacting with people in general... I think it's important to try and leave room, leave air. Like hmm. you don't need to settle every mystery immediately. There should be, it doesn't have to be like necessarily like a flirtation, but in interactions that you have with people, there should you, unless you have a real, unless you're like, you know, serving a warrant, like generally try and leave some air, try hmm. to leave some room uh, for joy, for playfulness, for the other person to have an opportunity to, to get, get their fun in as well. Mm-hmm. But also, and, I, and when I say this, I'm not saying you have to have a relationship with everybody, but like, it seems like a lot of communication in some ways, uh, especially on the internet, especially on places like Twitter, comes down to like, you're a bad person. Um, 
you're a bad person and I would never want to have a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if that relationship is just kind of a silent from a distance, enjoying another person's stuff. In your case, I mean, that was probably kind of not cool with that person. I understand their job is to comfort the, or uh, to afflict the comforted and all that kind of stuff. But like when, even in the way you ask interview questions of people, like give people some space to answer in an interesting way. And if they don't, if they aren't answering the question, you could pursue them. But like, I feel like in so many of our interactions, we are, we're trying to create some kind of a conversational trap that leaves no room for this to go anywhere. Where basically mm. you're just going meh, and then it just stops right there. And like, I mean, I don't have one specific example of this that I can give, but like, I do know that like a certain amount of lightness and playfulness and like, or or you know, or curiosity is maybe another way to put it. Like, don't be afraid to be curious, and you don't have to be a weirdo about it, but. Especially when you're communicating with people on Twitter, like think about that. Like think about whether you are preemptively shutting down an actual conversation that you could have with somebody if it is a conversation you want to have, and if it's not, just mute them and have them go away. But I don't know. I I I, I don't mean to be a concern troll here, but I, I worry that that what starts out as something we type with our fingers on our phone can start to affect the way that we think about any interaction. And now we become, become super annoyed about everybody in line at the grocery store and we forget that this is water. And like, I don't know. I just, I, I like to try and keep that in mind. And if, if I, if I am genuinely curious about another person, I want to give them room to take this thing where they want to go with it rather than feeling like I'm going to constrict them or, or creep them out by giving some kind of decisive uh, punctuation mark about this non-relationship we have. I wonder if it is a, I wonder if it's a thing where like when, when we we've talked about this quite a bit, when we were young, there were still a lot of unsolved mysteries. Yeah. Right. The, we've, we've sure talked about this, the Bermuda triangle, et cetera. Right. Or, or just, or just show. knowing who the guy in that show is. The unsolved mysteries show. No, sorry. Uh, who was, that's not Leonard Nimoy, is it? He no, was on in search of. Was, yeah, that was. But was it John but, Walsh? I don't even. I wouldn't know John Walsh if he walked in right now and handed me a cupcake. Okay. Uh, but I could Google him. No, but you're right. That's, I mean, like the the obvious example is like like me sitting there last night watching series of unfortunate events and going like, ah, I know that actress. Oh, it's that actress from the Austin Powers movies that I really like. And of course, I'm able to look that up instantly and drill straight into that episode that just aired a day ago, and it's already there. I already have instantly the information about something that i want immediately that's a trivial example yeah oh john walsh is exactly who i was thinking of he's the host of america's most wanted and adam walsh's father is that right yeah he had that terrible situation with his son that's how his oh uh, one doesn't want to say career but that's like he started off by being an advocate for Uh uh, for for kids well so that's not that's probably not who did unsolved mysteries but but you're you're to my point (laughs) gary his name's gary you're saying you're Gary, it's not right? Randy. Gary, I got those tweets. Um, <laughs> you're saying now that was good. That's yeah, that an example. Good. That is good. That was funny. That was funny. Making fun of us for not remembering one of our canonical characters was Gary! funny. Gary, his name is Gary. Um, but but uh, we're talking about kid, the time when we when things were not mysteries. Things that were not no not easily findable, but may not even be knowable at all. Well, and still a great number of places in the world that you felt like hadn't been explored, right? Islands in the South Pacific that were uninhabited. It was still plausible that Gilligan and the skipper would get into a shipwreck on an island that 
could sustain life, but that there just wasn't anybody living there and it was uncharted. Mm -hmm. Like there were uncharted places. Who knew behind the Iron Curtain? Who knew it was back there? You can't prove a negative. Like, how do you know Atlantis doesn't exist? Well, we have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing. And now we've mapped the entire world. We've we believe we have overlaid it with a grid system enough that we can pretty much put our put our pinky down on anything we wanted to see. Um, and with Wikipedia and everything else, we feel like we've called it all. We've named everything. Mm-hmm. And, and all that's missing from Wikipedia is stuff from the olden times that we haven't brought forward and put on. But there's nothing happening now that isn't being recorded. There's nothing... You know, if if you and I wanted to go sit and study uh, Google Earth, we could find Gilligan. We could find anything we were looking for. (laughs) And so, and that's happened in a very brief amount of time. And so, so there's an element to the curiosity that we grew up being expected to have, or it was kind of baked in a kind of curiosity about... What is in the forest even? Like, oh, if I go into the woods here next to my house, because I'm a little kid, I don't know how big the woods are, and I imagine maybe the woods go forever, and maybe these woods go into... Like dig dig a hole to China. Yeah, right, it's go to Sherwood Forest or whatever. And now there's a maybe, I feel like, in the world, a sense that everything's mapped, and so there isn't that feeling that, Oh, you know, maybe no one's ever been in this cave. Maybe no one's ever, I mean, from the time that you're small. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I'm the first person to ever climb this tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so is our relationship to curiosity changing so that all these responses that we're getting to on on the internet... There's not a feeling that anybody else has anything to teach you anymore. Like, you you already know everything, too. Mm-hmm. Everything's already known. It's not a question of of learning. It's a question of just opinion. Like, it's not, I, it's not that I didn't know that. It's that I just didn't have an opinion about it yet. And it's so different from when when we were kids where it was just like, you know, when I heard that maybe Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page was like, had bought Alistair Crowley's house. I was like, is, is the music of Led Zeppelin amazing because Jimmy Page is talking to the devil. Mm -hmm. And now there would, even if I was eight years old, there'd be like 11 other eight year olds who were like, well, actually, Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know whether, I don't know what, how to teach curiosity or how to, how to do what you're saying. Like reply to people and say, leave some space. Like, like let it, uh, be interested. I totally agree. And like, I, I, this, this, I don't mean this to sound sexist because I think it's actually true of everybody. But I, one of the first things I remember hearing in terms of grown up relationship advice that I found to be very useful, especially given my personality. And this is now, this is such a cliche, A, but B, it's also it's true of, I think, all sexes and, sexes and genders, which is like when somebody, especially historically, you see like a woman wants to talk about something, uh, men have a tendency to want to solve a problem. And uh, I feel silly even saying this because everybody knows this at this point, supposedly. But like the idea is that like somebody comes to you and they want to talk about, oh God, you know, Barbara at work uh, has been uh, really kind of been a thorn in my side lately. 
And like, you know, she didn't invite me to this meeting and I, I'm not sure if I should feel weird about that. And like men tend to want to like men like me tend to want to jump in and go, well, you should go straight to your boss or you should talk to Barbara or you should send an email. Let me solve this problem for you before you're even done with the sentence, let alone the paragraph. Well, really, that person maybe maybe wasn't looking for a solution. That person just wanted to talk about something in their life that they maybe don't want a solution for. And maybe the talking and like could be sometimes the talking about it is the solution, but like you don't, you know, and I, I really, really struggle with this in life. Like I don't like when people finish my sentences. Like I don't want to finish other people's sentences because sometimes they just need to ramble a little bit. I've talked about this, I think as a, a component in the relationship between my mother and sister, my sister comes home and is one of these people that wants to just talk about the problems that she had during the day with no <laughs> with no expect she's not doing it in order to find she's a not filing a bug she's she's not looking no. to like in an hour i need this solved does not want a does not want the problem solved wants to i mean basically wants to bitch about it yes and yes. get and then at the end be done and my mom is someone who wants to solve the problem and she's like a dog with a bone man she's she is she solves problems yeah she's just like well why don't you talk to your manager or why oh here's a you know here's something you could do unplug the maybe with a little bit of hint of like this is actually not that complicated absolutely i mean i think isn't that kind of an important aspect of the like why is this a problem well but also the flip side of it is that bitching about stuff is uncomfortable for certain people to listen to like my mom is extremely impatient because she doesn't want to hear she, because to her ears it's just like well, why, why are you complaining? <laughs> right. Like either solve the problem or get used to it. You know, get accustomed to it and deal with it and like stop complaining is my mom's take on it. And so it's a uh, it's it's a long been when it starts to happen in my house. I usually pick up the newspaper. <laughs> And and just slowly and crawl inside of it. No, just slowly edge out of the room, like without saying anything. I'm just like I'm be- I'm behind the newspaper. I'm reading an There's article medium, so intently. A medium length fuse that has just been lit. I'm just like I'm headed into another room. What's, out it, what's of Susan's response? Does she? Well, for years it was just really frustrating because they had not identified this as the dynamic. Susan's response was just to get more and more agitated because she's like, well, yeah. Like, sure, I could unplug the refrigerator, but that's not the point. Right. And the point is just... Sometimes sometimes what you're really saying is, yeah, I know. I know the world is that way. I don't want the world to be that way. You know what I'm saying? You're not not saying, don't tell me how to change the world. Just listen to me be frustrated that the world is this way. Yeah, and it and it was, and my mom just got more and more frustrated too. Like, sure. well, if you don't want if you don't want my advice, why are you coming to me I, with I this stupid problem? Point, I can see and have been on both both points of view, both sides of that. Yeah, and I think there is a there is a culture of, um, well, I don't know. I mean, like for myself personally, I try. It's not even that I try. It is not in my nature to complain. There are times when I protest, like if I go up to the counter at an airline and they say, you do not get blank, I say, I would like to lodge a protest. What do you mean I'm not getting an upgrade? Um, But that's a protest. Once they say, you don't get an upgrade, 
or once they say, sorry, we're not going to let you put your guitar in the overhead bin because we didn't read the memo from the U.S. Senate or whatever, I don't then sit in the chair and complain, mm-hmm. you know? I'm, like, resolved. And resolved, you know, part of it is that I feel like I deserve suffering. But, but also, like, there is no point to it because I cannot win now, you know? And my mom is the same way, like, well, you know, if I have to wear these shoes that are made out of fire, then I guess I have to wear shoes made out of fire. I don't like it. But what does it serve to complain? And my sister, on you know, on the other hand, is going, you know, her way of processing the events that happened to her is just kind of like uh, putting them out there in the form of either celebration or lament. Mm-hmm. And um, But it is participatory, right? My mom does not require my sister to to help her process her events because she is doing them internally and quietly. But my sister does require my mom. She does require a listener. It wouldn't be sufficient to just make a cage and put some socks around it mm-hmm. and have a and have a bowl of food in it so Susan could <laughs> cling to it and yell at it <laughs> like about her day. It would not that would not work, right? right? Um she needs someone to to listen and pay that pay that attention somehow and that it feels like another example of um like the introvert extrovert issue where the extrovert is like introverts are very very aware of extrovert culture introverts know what extrovert world looks like because they can't help but no yeah it's like it's like not being into sports like i'm not into sports but boy do i ever have to know about sports right but extroverts are not aware of introvert culture or their needs because why would they be um all they see are other extroverts and introverts just seem like people who are standing there waiting for them to come talk to them and (laughs) you know it's like it's like when you talk to black people about white culture they're like look we know all about white culture (laughs) let me explain this to you (laughs) we can't avoid it we know all about it that's a good example (laughs) it's everywhere we're soaking (laughs) it when a guy butts into like three women talking on the internet to explain what they misunderstand about feminism (laughs) yeah right or what they misunderstand about men it's like oh what you don't know about men and they're like no seriously we know all about men i saw a tweet last week that i can't even believe is real which was where somebody responded to woman and said you know mansplaining is not really a thing (laughs) (laughs) and i I hope it's a joke because it was so perfect it's great but it's that but it's that type of thing you know you hear about you hear about this uh divide as being a thing of like not you know like uh, or 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 the way you initially started to describe it is initially, the that, initially it was presented as husband and wife was, was and the, wife. the whole right. model was that hey husbands you need to listen to your wives more but like i i only did that as a jumping off point of how i learned right. about it the truth is it goes for everybody like, be, be be aware when somebody just wants to think out loud a little bit there's a there's a funny episode of uh a very good episode of parks and rec uh, i think you're probably not a fan a huge fan but um, I don't have a TV. But where uh, Chris 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 Traeger, uh, played by Rob Lowe, like is trying to, is like his wife um, uh, Quincy Jones's daughter is is pregnant, and he keeps trying to like fix everything. 
Uh-huh. And and I forget who it was that says to him, you know, here's your here's your trick. Go, stop talking, except to periodically say that sucks. And like that is that is a way over simplified shorthand, but it's kind of true. Like adopt a that sucks attitude that has you open to listening to that person rather than trying to like explain how they're being unhappy wrong. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I- <laughs> I, I, I'm, I am definitely being unhappy wrong. <laughs> so I really no, you're not. That. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, uh, I, I periodically check in on this podcast called I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats. I don't listen to every episode, but it's a very interesting idea. It's the guy from, oh, what show is it? He does Night Vale, I think. <laughs> I love that when you are trying to remember something, you put, you uh, sometimes, yeah, you put a little tremolo in it. Uh, it's the guy, uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, and they're going through, God, what album is it? All Hell West, Texas? But anyway, and they go through track by track, and this guy interviews uh, John Darniel, who's a very articulate guy. I mean, you're not, not a giant fan of the music, but hear me out. You know, I, I know John pretty well nowadays, and, and uh, he's a very, he's very bright guy, extremely bright guy. Yeah, but but it's really neat. So the the, the show has like a, a kind of chemistry to it that would be impossible for obvious reasons on any other show. Which is like he's a very interesting writer who has interesting thoughts about life. And this very good interviewer interviews him, and they talk about one song on the album, and then somebody covers it at the end. Um, oh, you, what a good so, podcast! Yeah, 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 and it's on iTunes. You can go listen to all the songs. Um, like I think Laura Jane Grace did the best ever death metal band from Denton. Like there's great songs, but anyway, uh, a recent episode was Source Decay, which is a song that I really like. It's a slightly unusual Mountain Goat song for the time, but long story short, the reason I mention this is he said something. You know how it is. Somebody says something that once you hear it, you go, "God, that's so obvious," but I, I so needed to hear that. And they're talking about the composition of the song, a little bit of a looking into like how he writes a song kind of from the inside out, where sometimes he starts with a little bit of a detail, like, okay, this guy, this guy goes to his old house to pick up the mail. What are the letters that he sees? And kind of builds out this story from there. Right. And I, it's very, I think, a very interesting and uh, kind of an authentic way to write a song, which is like telling a specific story with these specific waypoints, rather than starting with an outline of everything I want to say in the song. Right. Probably yeah. not entirely dissimilar from how you write i'm guessing but but uh the guy said something so cool um because his name is joseph he's he was talking to him about like well you know but what is what does this mean in the song like is this jenny the same jenny from the other song with jenny in it and uh, i don't remember his exact response but he's basically saying you know i don't know i mean i don't know i could guess just as much as you could guess but here's the quote he said most people don't treasure the unknown most people want all the information i never want all the information and i was like oh man i shouldn't even tweet about this but i'm gonna because i thought that was so great and i was like you know what i'm kind of the same way i love whilst i love being able to watch netflix and look up the name of an actress in a scene that's no problem at all while it's great to me to be three seconds away from knowing drugs that interact with grapefruit while I'm on a podcast, all oh. great. But I kind of, I think about when I started, this is not a slam on Star Wars, but like I saw Star Wars when it was just Star Wars. Like a week after it came out, I saw Star Wars. I didn't understand what are these creatures? What is going on? I didn't know that George Lucas had a name for every single piece of equipment and every rock in the entire area. I had basically two viewings of Star Wars, the reviews about it, and then maybe like a Fangoria magazine feature. But like I didn't know, I didn't have, an, I didn't have like a DK encyclopedia of Star Wars. 
And that was part of the fun. I wanted to know everything. I would just consume everything I could find about it, but there wasn't that much to consume, especially after the first one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was oh, six yeah. or eight months into the cycle before. I mean, they were sending out coupons for the action figures. There were not big books about it that were official books. Anyway, I just want to put that in front of you because I thought John Darnielle saying that was, was really smart because I realize I'm the same way. Like, I, I don't need to know that there's an answer to, like, it, you know, in that song, is that Warren Beatty? Like, is that David David Branson? It's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I need to know. I don't know if my enjoyment of that song will change one way or another if I know who You're So Vain is about. Does it have to be about one of them? Maybe. Maybe that's a bad example. But I like the not knowing. I like the fact that this is, this is, a, this is a snapshot of, of a little bit of a story. And like, I don't know if you can even know all the details of this, especially if the person who wrote it choose, chose to not... <laughs> have a, a codex or a, a rubric for being able to delineate what everything in the song means. And I, I have to tell you, that's one reason I love your songs. I don't know what the fuck your songs are all about. Even when you explain them to them to me, I don't understand them. And I really like that. I, I and I want to just toss to you. Do you do you feel that way about do you like the not knowing? You know, there are three three things that I that you're inspiring me to think about and want to say simultaneously. The, <clears throat> the geographic version of this, somebody posted something the other day that was like, did you know that Google knows everything that you've ever done and everything you've ever thought and said? And I was like, oh, no, you know, Google is going to be, Google's going to know all this stuff about me. And I went and I followed the link. And, you know, Google does know everything I've ever Googled. But that would be very confusing to an algorithm. Because it's like, who are the, you know, who are the last five kings of Armenia? It's like, how, what are you going to sell me? But, but Google supposedly knows everywhere I've been. And I went to the thing where it said, you know, Google basically knows everywhere you've been. And I was kind of excited about it. Like, where, what, what is this map that Google's going to draw of all the places I've been? Like, how exciting. But and I got there the, the and, truth is, it's actually kind of disappointing. You're like, oh man, Google, I thought you would know all the places I went. Well, and what's, what is, what was crazy was I got there and there was no information. And then I realized that what I do, I do Google where things are. I Google the, like, is there traffic or whatever? I Google routes to things, but I look at the route and then I put my phone away. I have never followed, uh, GPS instructions where it's like, turn left. Like I put it away. I look at it like I used to look at paper maps I get a sense of where it's telling me to go, but I never follow the, 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 the voice, the machine. And so Google doesn't know where I've been because I, because I always turn it off. Hmm. Because I still don't want to know all the answers. Like, I don't want to get there. Even if I'm late, I don't want to get there via the computer's best estimation of the fastest route. I want to find it. Um. That's like, that's a big, big part of how I live in the world. I want to find it. I know it's there. I know it's over there and I'm here. And in, in that case, you do know that there is an answer, that it does exist. There is this yeah. Stuckies somewhere I'm, west. Uh, right. I'm going to a place, right? I can, I know where Spokane generally is. I want to get there and not just be guided there by a, by a tour guide, you know, by a, by a, but I don't want to, I don't want to ring in my nose and somebody yanking on a rope. That's the geographic version. But in response to your thing, your, the real thing, the John Darnielle thing, 
you know, I think my greatest regret about the success of my band, the and by success, I mean the level of success. And one of the things about, I mean, one of the things that complicates my relationship with John Darnell personally is that he has, and this is true of so many, I mean, so many musicians, when you really get them down and get a few drinks in them and they're sitting around a campfire, you can't help but say, oh, if I just had, like, I don't want to be Eddie Van Halen. I just want the success of John Darnell, the amount and kind of success that he had. And maybe, maybe the steadiness. I think that's uh, one well, of the most admirable things about him is like just that he seems so steady about it. He just keeps doing the work. He does the he does the work, and you know when you get to know him personally, you realize like oh, it's part of his process of coping, right? To do the work, like he's he is also struggling as we all are with a constellation of of uh, like contraindications of grapefruit, and he his way of getting through the year is is making music and putting it out. And that's true of a lot of people I know. And I have the opposite affliction or some other, you know, I've, I eat too much grapefruit. Um, but you know, guys like if you, I mean, I'm sure if you sat down with Carl Newman and said, how do you, how, how, how do you like your fame? He'd say, it's great. I'm very happy here, but I would, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I had, just the, you know, the fame of Jonathan Richmond or what, I don't know who mm-hmm. anybody's comparison is, but yeah, to, 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 I believe it was, it was you. Even Bono has a boss. Even Bono has a boss. Yeah. But I would love to sit down with somebody who wanted to go through my music and talk about what things meant. Mm-hmm. Because I, when I was writing it, like everything, I meant something by everything. There was no, there's no filler. I, I I wasn't like well I need to get to the chorus so I'm just gonna say the same thing over again. I was like, like I, I, yeah, I remember first reading this. I feel like in the John Charty uh, poetry book where he said something like make every line tell. Yeah, and 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 I think that's part of why. I mean, when I listen to great pop music and I'm and I realize that there are so many songs that I really love where the chorus is just like hey na na, uh, and I and I love that music, but like. I just I just filled the lyrics with meaning and I want somebody to care enough. And I know that there are people that do, but I didn't have that, you know, like Darnielle and his band inspire a kind of culty reverence. You could get uh, it's a kind of a law of large numbers thing where they have enough fans that yeah. they probably would eventually get to meet some super smart and engaged people that were super fans and would want to talk about it. Yeah, and and there are those people uh, about the long winters. It's just that there's not an audience for their output, right? There's not like you could do a podcast about John Darnielle and there'd be an audience for it. If mm-hmm. there was a podcast about the long winters, there wouldn't be necessarily a very big audience for listening to those songs digested. Hmm. But you know, I got a I got a uh, I got an email from a, a a guy the other day who was like, I teach literature, I teach, you know, English literature in college, and I wanted to, oh, and I asked my students to take your line uh, from the song, uh, which is it, seven, I think, uh, where where I say every eyelash is a picket or a wire. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, and I had to explain to people what, I had to explain to them what pickets were, because they didn't know what pickets were. 
But then we talked about it and I was like, oh, I was just, I was laying there in my, in my little, you know, cuddle cozy bunny suit like oh my god someone somewhere is looking at a line that i wrote (laughs) and glorious once you're on your way out to the mailbox and there's some fan mail (laughs) i'm still a star (laughs) but it meant so much to me that that someone would do that and you know what has been true the last half a dozen years is the people that listen to this show and the many attempts that people have made to make a codex, uh, to make a, an encyclopedia of, of everything we've talked about and all the different cross references and stuff, you know, that really like all those attempts, even though none of them has really succeeded and become the definitive one. And I think there are, there are a half a dozen orphan, projects where yeah but yeah there, there are people who have, who have very very kindly taken a stab at it for sure yeah yeah and it's it's a lot to it's a lot to take on i, I mean the, that kind of thing is really to me that's really useful i mean there's also our, our friend of the show underscore david smith has done a wonderful thing where he uh does voice recognition not i don't know what you call it but he he basically turns the show into searchable words so if you want to find a bit i think stuff like that's great for finding where a bit appeared but like god please don't study it all too carefully well that there's that but also like i mean there's the impulse to to try and find like our witticisms or our uh you know the first time some you know somebody said this some, Some of that, of that. And, and like the stories, the, the, the big, the big like stories, the capital letter stories. But, you know, you and I have, tr- have traveled a lot of ground and we, you know, and, and we kid and then our fans kid back at us and then we kid back at them about helping people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there is like there is a trove at least. And, and I don't mean like necessarily even a treasure trove, but just a trove. It might just be a trove of dirty diapers. But. <laughs> But the, <laughs> that count the, as a trove. I think so. I mean, if you yeah, buried enough dirty diapers, it's a trove. Yeah, it's like a it's like a a tranche. <laughs> yeah, you tell me what a trove is. You tell me. Yeah, tranche is a trove. Tranche is a trove. Uh, trove dot com hmm. asks: Is your big customer hiding in your company's email? Hmm. So is they're it, considering. Is that what they ask? They're considering your company's email as a trove of qualified leads. Huh. Tranche.com. Somebody's just sitting on the domain. Oh, is that right? There's no tranche. There's no tranche. <laughs> just a trove. Well, trove.com wants to find the Glengarry leads uh-huh. in your company's email. It's already there. They do not practice. It means you are wanting. Oh. <laughs> Let's talk about something important. <laughs> Put that coffee down. <laughs> But in terms of like of not having the answers, um, you know, as much time we spend a lot less time solving problems than we do describing them, and a lot less time even describing problems than just inhabiting them <laughs> audibly, wearing like, them like a furry costume. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, and I, and I think probably a. a portion of our problems aren't even aren't even obvious to us we have people listening to the show they're like here they go again i've been been reliably informed that's true (laughs) (laughs) you think think that's your problem holy shit oh boy oh Oh, boy boy. you need to take the subject and replace it with the object you're gonna need an associate degree in your own life to even begin to understand what you don't fucking get about what you don't understand about yourself but like (sighs) darnielle is super wise 
about, uh, you know, about a lot. But there, but he, like anybody, has blind spots. There are certain aspects of Darnielle that he isn't wise about. Um, not just as a writer, you know, or maybe principally not as a writer. And it's the same with me. Like, there's a lot of... The, uh, there was a review one time in the Salt Lake paper of Ultimatum, when Ultimatum first came out. And this reviewer really, like, was mad mm. at the song Ultimatum in particular. And, you know, and gave this kind of excoriating review it's of a it. student, what are you doing with me? That one? Yeah, okay. student, why did you dream of me? Um <laughs> It gave an excoriating review, which was not a negative review. It was a review that said, this is a beautiful song, well-recorded by a very interesting band, and I disagree with it. <laughs> and I was like, go on. Mm -hmm. You know, like I put a, put a big napkin in the front of my shirt and tucked myself in, and I was like, tell me more. And they had listened to it enough to understand the viewpoint of it and be mad at the viewpoint, hmm. which meant so much to me um, because it was the rare interview, or I'm sorry, the rare review of a record that took that approach. Mm -hmm. You know, reviews are just like, well, this band sounds like that band, and their third song is a really nice jangle pop, blah, blah, blah. But very few people are like, the viewpoint of the narrator in this song, I find it does not like uh, it is not life giving or whatever. And I was just like, tell me more. And and what they were mad about was that the you know, the viewpoint of of the narrator in Ultimatum is is you're in a way you're kind of um, your cowboy Um the one that doesn't want to be a villager and, but also kind of, you know, wants to hang around the village and uh, get free drinks. Hmm. And they were, and they felt like it wasn't hopeful hmm. that there was, that, that, that the, that the narrator himself should try harder. Oh, hmm. I was like, yeah, man. Yeah. 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 Take a stand, take a stand against this, this, uh, this thinly fictionalized character. <laughs> so, but you, know, you, you like it when people engage. Well, obviously, yeah. Well, but, I mean, I don't know. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think I wasn't trying to to provoke you. I just think there are some people who think. Well, you know, here's the thing I said, and I said it, and like if you really understood it, you wouldn't need to do all this parsing. So like, so like, stop, stop trying to understand this thing that's really easy to understand. Yeah, that's the Kurt Cobain model of like, of yeah, I, no, obviously. I mean, I think, I think it's like, that's not my nature, right? To be mm -hmm. like, I, I said it, it's in the lyrics. Like, no, 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 I want to discuss it. I've thought about. I've thought about writing down like a like a like a line by line exegesis of my song lyrics. I just don't know who the mm. audience would be. I wish you wouldn't. No, really? no, no. Just because I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, hmm. I, I like it not being known. 
Well, let me, let me turn it around a little bit. So you you do you try to have every line tell everything that's, is in there for a reason. Everything that's in the song is in the song. Um, do you feel like there are remaining mysteries and unknowns in songs to you? Like if something as general as like, oh, I'm not really sure who that was about, or like, I'm not really sure what this song is saying. Like your songs very much, even if I don't always understand the POV, I know they have a POV. Like it's it's there, there's somebody somebody's in a situation in a lot of the songs. But like, do you feel like there are still unknown corners of your own stuff that you would you would benefit from having people, for lack of a better word, explain to you? Oh, oh they all. I mean, every song. I, there's <clears throat> the exegesis would not be me explaining them mm-hmm. as much as me <sighs> saying. Here are the possibilities in mm-hmm. this line. I guess is is more. Um, is more my relationship to them because they are because they are point of view based rather than um there's you know it's not like this is a song about about uh John F Kennedy but I but I changed his name or whatever you know that they're all about everything I don't know I <laughs> I I uh I just worked so hard on them and yeah. I and I feel like I feel like they're often just it's the it's the problem I, I I guess of any writer where you put it up against other pop music and some pop music and again pop music I love <clears throat> isn't really about anything and yet I'm also working in that vernacular so I mean I was listening to to Boney M last night hmm. um, as you do <laughs> and you know Boney M has a song called uh, Daddy Cool, and it has three lyrics. Uh, I don't think any Boney M song has more than about fifteen lyrics. Boney M. Looking it up, yeah. Um, but you know, like for instance, my my good pals in the band Band of Horses, who have that song, I think I've referred to before, where the lyric is, um, "When I was alone, is there a ghost in my house?" When I was alone, is there a ghost in my house? And it's a it's a hell of a line. It conveyed a lot to me. Uh, but that's kind of the main lyric in the song. I mean, I'm sorry, it's like one of a very few lyrics in the song. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a more popular song than any song I ever wrote. But it doesn't have any it's not it's not even like um the like the two songs are not like let's take that song and any song i wrote <laughs> there's mm-hmm. no there's no lyrical commonality in terms of intent um yeah right the lyrics of his song and it's great because if you google the lyrics of is there a ghost by band of horses there's a whole lyric sheet mm-hmm. it's really long <clears throat> Uh, and it says, I could sleep, I could sleep, I could sleep, I could sleep. When I lived alone, is there a ghost in my house? I could sleep, I could sleep, I could sleep, I could sleep. And that's, that's, those are the only lyrics in the tune. And so, so it's like, I don't know who, who was I writing for? I guess you. Right? 
in, in terms of like when you were composing songs? Yeah, like who... Like listening to the lyrics of John Darnielle songs is it's baked into it because the songs are so lyric driven. There's not a lot of keyboard parts. There's not a lot of mm-hmm. he doesn't quadruple the harmonies on the choruses. It's like no, he's got a boombox in the old days. There, yeah, you're there to listen to the lyrics. It's it's like Billy Bragg. It's folk music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, uh, a lot of songs that I like. Uh, I don't even, I don't know what genre you call it, but like they're, they, whether it's the Beatles or you or whomever, I I like a song that has a sense of urgency to it. And it doesn't have to be urgency in terms of necessarily being upbeat and high energy or whatever, or super sad, but like, but a lot of the songs I, I like and remember, um, and, and think about, uh, there's something there's something, some message of some kind, there's some feeling even that has to be put across. Like there's, I like, you know, I, I've, I've got to, t- like they say in acting, like, you know, one of the basic things to tell you in acting is that like, remember everybody on stage at a given time wants something, right? They, and maybe there's other things to it. Maybe there's, there's secrets that they have that they don't want people to know, but there's something that everybody wants out of a scene. Like if you, if you're not sure what to do with the character, think about what it is, not just quote unquote motivation, but like, what is the most important to that person in the room? What are they trying to hide? What are they trying to show? How are they, are they trying to deceive? But like everybody up there wants something. And how, if you, as an actor, you have to connect with what that feeling is. And I feel like a lot of songs, I hope this isn't a derail, but I feel like, uh, in terms of like who it's for, I'm not always sure, but like, you know, there's just, there's something I've got to to tell you and this this is how i'm doing it to somebody even if it's an imagined person yeah for the beatles a lot of the early stuff was that they're just disappointed in women i had occasion to go back and listen to a lot of early and middle beatles which i love but i was realizing how many songs i want to say just john's songs but paul's songs, but so many of john's songs in particular are just about like how misunderstood he is by women but he's he puts it really well but you know, I mean, something like I want, even something as simple, seemingly simple as I want to hold your hand. Like there, there's obviously an extreme sense of urgency to that. Yeah. And in that case, you know who's being addressed in that. But you're, but when are you talking about who you write the songs in in order to reach as an audience, or like who the song is addressing? Oh no, I mean, this, my songs are all addressing the same people that John Lennon's songs were addressing. I was just a little bit <laughs> o- older when I was writing them, so it wasn't quite and like I'm not what <clears throat> I appear to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there it was all the same confusion, just uh, just like quadrupled by an extra decade of feeling confused. Um, but no, it's like. It's a, you know, I, I have a desire still to be, well, I mean, we all have a desire to be appreciated. To and, be appreciated, to be heard? Well, I'm not so worried about being heard. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, if, if, um, if I, if I go into the great sleep, if I go gently into that good night mm-hmm. and don't feel like my howl was your barbaric yelp my yelp was uh was registered uh, you know whatever it's not it's not uh i i don't feel un, underheard uh but but no like like um when you do when you try to do something with subtlety and i think this is a this is a lot of the a lot of times a problem for anybody working in any medium 
if you try to do something with subtlety and then you see things that are done unsubtly mm-hmm. uh, succeed <laughs> and mm. you feel like, oh, I, you know, I like worked really hard to make this opaque and then somebody comes along and is just like, shake it, shake it. Yeah. And people are, yeah, I want to shake it. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> just tearing their shirt open and waving them around. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, shit. You know, like, um, who is my audience? If not everybody, if, if, it, if I'm not just like, shake it, if I'm like super, super like making all these tiny little beads when you when you do it your dream is that you're going to be reaching the same people that you're going to be, that you're going to be reaching people like yourself who are looking for that in other stuff yeah like i'm i'm trying to accomplish and sometimes what music it could be like it's a key for for, for a lock i didn't know i had right right oh exactly that exactly that um but then I think about it, and it's like, oh, when I could finally understand Michael Stipe's lyrics, I was really disappointed. It was a lot better when he, when you couldn't tell what he was saying. And I, I, what I wanted to be was, I wanted to be as, I wanted to create the feeling that Michael Stipe created in me, except when you got into it, you found there was something there instead of just, you know, like nothing or, or partial whatever it was that he was like, yeah, like, did, a, like a, something that just happened to be like a beautiful splatter pattern yeah i mean he was obviously creating a, a super appealing vignettes yeah but, yeah but also yeah it's very uh, i always i've talked about this ad nauseum in so many places but you know the the ability to create a mood yeah and at a feeling a very poetic way where like the sound of the words like when you said before like a picket or a wire is that why picket or a wire uh-huh. It's also that like think about those two words how they contrast in sound. Like one, one one's kind of sharp and one's a little bit more round. And like that's that's why we like Dylan Thomas is like cuz the words the w- the way the words sound is part of the meaning. And like there's meaning under the meaning, but then there's also meaning in the sounds and people get different things from that, but like you know, like you were you were just quoting uh, do not go gentle, but you know, the force it through the green fuse. Like there's just these these things that he says and you're like that's just a bunch of words, but it's very meaningful the way those words sound. And yeah. And it, it's nice when you dig in a little further and go like, oh, there's also there's a pattern to how to the syllables, there's a pattern to the to the rhymes. But you don't have to know any of that to feel strangely emotionally moved by something, even if you don't understand everything in a Shakespeare monologue. Like you're still going to get some kind of a feeling out of it. Do you remember when you first got into pavement? Mm-hmm. Did you were you into pavement? Very. And it was uh, at- it was summer, babe. Was my first favorite pavement song. The effect of pavement, uh, in terms of creating a mood, and also being full of information, and also being, and also seeming to be full of maybe more information than was actually there. Mm-hmm. You know, like pavement was such a. Uh, they were so sincere, but also just mostly smarmy. It's like so smarmy, but there was something really poignant uh, about. Uh, American life in their songs. Yep. yep. And, and really smart turns of phrase, but also just thrown off like in, in a way that, that suggested like either that they didn't care or that half the guys in the band didn't understand what half the other, what the other mm-hmm. half of the guys were talking about, but it didn't matter. I mean, there was so much going on 
in that that influenced I, mean, I don't think anybody in Seattle wants to acknowledge what an influence pavement was because we were making our own thing up here then yeah you're not so, it's like it's like you're not supposed to be in, into something that's that cheeky right but it was it you know it's very influential because it it feels impossible to duplicate in a way like Weezer feels very Easy to duplicate. There are a lot of bands. Well, it's that are not. Yeah, you don't need that music. much exegesis. But like, here's one. I was dressed for success, but success it never comes. And I'm the only one who laughs at your jokes when they are so bad. But then you get to the chorus, and all the sterile striking it defends an empty dock you cast away, and rain upon your forehead where the mist for hire. If it's just too clear, let's spend our last quarter stance randomly. Go down to the outlet once again. That's and the way you know. <laughs> Painted portraits of minions and slaves, crotch mavens in one night place. <laughs> and they're the only ones who laugh at your jokes when they are so bad, and the jokes are always bad. Come join us in a prayer. We'll be waiting, waiting where everything's ending here. And that's the name of the song here. But it's very uh, portentous when you're listening yeah. to it. It's very, the, the tempo and everything, it's, you know, for one of their early, I guess, they, maybe they got cheekier as they went, but like a little silly. But like, I always found that song very moving. I don't know what the song's about, but I always found it very moving. It's the same. It's the same with a lot of Nirvana, where you're like, "What the what the hell are you talking about?" But um, but it's it conveys. It's very like the atmosphere is appropriate. Like the atmosphere communicates, and the lyrical atmosphere communicates what you want it to. It's not just. Oh yeah, you're not- this is your seven sided lighthouse made of dreams. To get all of that stuff together, I mean, you know, for the lyrics to be meaningful, that a lot of people go into a song and their lyrics. People, we had a whole episode of the show I do with Syracuse about this, where we talked about your music a lot. Um, but like, there's this whole thing of like diving straight into what the lyrics mean. But like to me, there's like a whole like giant play going on here. There's the set dressing, and there's the characters, and there's like there's so much going on, and like there's little little spots about what's said and what's not said there's so much to it that goes beyond just like what did the lyrics mean like there's a whole evocation that can be happening in a song that even plays against the lyrics i mean it's you know uh, i don't know i i i I like music well i know and me too and i and i just i wonder sometimes i wonder (laughs) whether podcasting with you and being and writing articles and stuff whether it it did something it took away some of the universe building that i had within the songs just in that i had expressed a viewpoint in the in those albums and i was so desperate to be uh, uh to to like be interviewed and to be able to explain not the worldview of the songs because i felt like that's that, that was fine you know like i'm not i don't need to go in back into the songs but i want to talk about all this other stuff too and uh, as time goes on like does it detract from the from the universe from the um from the game of thrones universe if if george rr R. martin is out there also talking about how he feels about vending machines and so forth <laughs> hmm I don't, uh but uh, I mean, it can't can't put the podcast back in the bottle. No, whatever's what in the bottles in the bottle. Can't put the genie back in the vending machine. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it can't be known. <coughs> it cannot knowable. be known. Mm-hmm.